Today I want to talk to you about the power of choice. You see, one of the greatest gaps in Christianity today is the credibility gap. It's the gap between what we say and who we are. And that which either widens the gap or narrows the gap is in the realm of our choices. The power of choices. And I want to share with you from a senior citizen. His name is Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 24, in his swan song, his final message, he gives to us a very compelling look at what it takes to make the right choice. By the way, there is a paradigm shift that is needed. We, we need to shift our cognitive lenses when we look at Joshua. Why? Because very often we use the term, the Joshua generation, to mean the younger generation. But at this time in Joshua 24, Joshua was 110 years old. Spiritual father, speaking what I believe to be the most important message in his life. It is a message that is spiritually deep, prophetically provocative, and biblically instructive. And so as we look at this great man of God standing before the people, sharing his swan song, his final message in Joshua 24, we come to the understanding that this is a senior citizen, a spiritual father who has a word for his spiritual children. We, we need to understand, as it were, the voice and the examples of the senior citizens in the Scriptures. I give you an example, Daniel in the lion's den. We realize that in Daniel in the lion's den is not a young man being thrown into the lion's den. Last Sunday, Timothy Yeo, the son of Pastor Tony Yeo, was preaching Daniel's in the lion's den. Immediately after his message, I went to him and I thanked him for his biblical diligence, doing his due diligence in the study because he brought before the congregation that Daniel in the lion's den is not like what is depicted in the paintings, a young man in the lion's den. Daniel was 80 years old, or about 80 years old, when he was thrown into the lion's den. There's something about spiritual fathers who has a message not just by their lips, but by their life, by their example, and by their choices. The power of choices. And we cannot teach our children to choose well until we give them the example of wise choices. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. And in this great, wonderful chapter, it's an instructive chapter that points to us what it takes to really come to make the right choice. So let's look at Joshua chapter 24 beginning with verse 14 and 15. Verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that your fathers serve in the regions beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Would you bow with me in prayer as we ask the Lord to bless this time in His Word? Father, once again, open our eyes to behold wonderful truth out of Your Word. And Lord, those things from my mouth, if they are not of You, please scatter them to the wind so that they fall of no effect. But those things that are from You, please deposit them deeply in our hearts that we might be not just hearers of the Word, but doers also. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my message this morning has two parts. The biblical consideration, uh, the biblical orientation and the practical considerations. Joshua 24 is a spiritual father speaking about the way forward in the future to his spiritual children. And everything in this narrative revolves around one central question. What does it really mean to serve the Lord? Does it mean rituals and spiritual activities and commitments? Does it mean some religious things we do as we serve the Lord? Joshua defines for us what this service really looked like. When he said now in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him. The fear of the Lord, the reverence for God and serving God, defined in this context as worshipping the Lord and serving Him, is defined in two characteristics, in sincerity and in faithfulness. Now, what does this sincerity and faithfulness look like? Joshua did not leave us to guess. He continues and he says, Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You see, the truth is carried by the Lord Jesus and communicated by Him. No man can serve two masters. You've got to decide. It's a decisive choice you've got to make. Whom will you serve? And on what terms do we serve our God? On His terms or on our terms? You see, here's the principle. True consecration requires decisive choice. Consecration is determined by choice. Can you say that? Consecration is determined by choice. Say that to one another. Consecration is determined by choice. The choices we make will define and determine our consecration. Now, there are four observations I want to share with you about this decisive choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. The first, it is decisive. The choice must be decisive. If we decide, then we choose to take action. Otherwise, it's not a decisive choice. Decision and taking action is joined together as a decisive choice. A, father, a, son, a son said to the father, Dad, there are three frogs by the side of a pond. One frog decided to jump in. How many frogs are left? The father says, two frogs are left. The son said, no. Father, there are three frogs around the pond. One decides to jump in. How many frogs are left? The father said, I got it. When one jumped in, the other two followed, so none are left. The son said, no, it's three. Because deciding does not mean we do. 
You see, for many, we decide, but months later, we still haven't do, we still haven't taken action. It's not a decisive choice. It's not a decisive action. When you decide on something, you've got to follow up your decision with the choice of action. Without that action, there is no decisive choice made. Choose you this day whom you will serve is a decisive choice. I want to share with you this BCD lens. What is BCD lens? B stands for birth, D stands for death. What is between birth and death? C, what is C? Choices. The choices you make will define your life and determine your destiny. That's the power of choices. That's the importance of choices. And in the last final message, when Joshua, the spiritual father, 110 years old, gave his swan song, his last message, his most important message to his spiritual children, he tells them to choose and to choose well whom they will serve. A decisive choice. Second, it is a personal choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And, and Joshua himself told them whom he will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, regardless of the choices you make, we have decided to serve the Lord. It's a personal choice. It's regardless of the people around you, regardless of the circumstances around you, you choose personally whom you will serve and whom you will continue to serve. Don't think like, oh, the circumstances are good, happy days, bright days, I serve the Lord. Oh, it's dark days and difficult days, I choose something else. Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's a personal choice regardless of company or circumstances. The third observation is an urgent choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. This day. Do you notice we cannot make decisions of yesterday because yesterday is already gone? We cannot make decisions in the future because we don't live in the future. We can make decisions today for the future, but we cannot decide on future decisions. The only window of time in that temporal reality where you can actually choose is today. Today, you are alive. Today, you can make an existential choice. Today, choose you this day, today, whom you will serve. Don't miss the urgency and the importance and the significance of today. Choose you this day, whom you will serve. Don't postpone it to tomorrow because your choices today will determine your tomorrow. Choose you this day, whom you will serve. It's a decisive choice. It's a personal choice. It's an urgent choice. The last distinctive feature is an important choice. Here we find in verse 15, Joshua comes before the people and sets before them this important choice. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And then he circumvented our expectations and say something rather awkward but provocative. Prophetically provocative. 
He said, choose you this day, you will serve. I would expect Joshua to say, either you choose to serve God or you choose to serve the idols. That's not the context. Read carefully again in verse 15. It says, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land which you dwell. In other words, if you don't choose God, then choose which idol you want to serve. There are two kinds of idols, the idols of your fathers or the idols of the pagans. You choose. In other words, it's a no-brainer. If you don't choose to worship and serve God, whom else can you choose? If you don't choose to trust God, whom else can you trust? If you don't choose to worship God, whom else do you worship? It's a no-brainer. If you don't serve God, worship Him, trust Him and follow Him, choose you this day, what's your alternative? There is no viable alternative. Not the gods of their fathers, the idols of their fathers, or the gods of the Amorites, the idols in the land. They are unworthy substitutes, unworthy loves. But here's the problem. In Christianity today, within our hearts, we may want to follow God and serve Him and worship Him, but in our hearts, there might be unworthy loves, unsound substitutes. No man can serve two masters. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We got to choose. Because change comes by choice. Consecration comes by choice. There is power in that choice. This is what the spiritual father Joshua is saying to his children and this is what on this Father's Day's message I'm saying to you as fathers in particular, this is the message you have to give to your children. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And we give them this message not just by our lips, but by the choices of our own lives as fathers, by the example of our choice, whom we will serve. Then I find the following narrative, the following exchange to be very instructive biblically. Because in the following dialogue between Joshua and the people, we find three movements. The first movement we find is the people's response to the message. Isn't it interesting to find out when it's such an important message, the last message of Joshua, the swan song, where he said, choose this day whom you will serve. Isn't it interesting to find out how did the people respond? They responded in verse 16 to verse 18. And their response is, we will serve the Lord. And they gave four theological reasons why they will serve the Lord. Impressive. Look at it from verse 16 to verse 18. Verse 16, Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 17, Four, here's the reason, or here are the reasons. For it is the Lord our God who brought us uh, and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. Reason one, deliverance. Out of the house of slavery, who did those great signs in our sight. Reason number two, 
God proved Himself through signs and wonders and preserved us all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed, God's provision. And fourth reason, verse 18, and the Lord drove out before us all the people, the Amorites who live in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for He is our God. He gave us the victory. So four great reasons we will choose to serve God. I don't know about you. If I hear that from the people of God, I go like, wow, revival. It's impressive. They not only say we will choose the Lord, they gave four reasons why they will choose the Lord and then they re-emphasize again their commitment. We will serve the Lord. Was Joshua impressed? No. He basically say in our Singaporean vernacular, don't bluff. That's what he said. Because uh, he continued in his response now, verse 19, the second movement in this narrative, Joshua's response. Verse 19, But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God, for He is a jealous God. You can't serve Him because you don't understand His standards. You don't understand His ways. You don't understand His character. You don't understand what He requires. In other words, you are giving lip service. Don't bluff. Think about it. They were so pious and so eloquent in their response. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua says, you cannot serve the Lord. You are not able to serve the Lord because you don't know God and His holiness. Wow. Then comes movement number three. And movement number three is the exchange now between the people and Joshua. What's the exchange? In movement number three, the people went with the adamant conviction and assertion, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua basically said, confirm, and they say, double confirm. Listen to the biblical language, how this is played out in the narrative, how it's recorded for us. After Joshua said that to the people, Verse 21, And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve Him. In other words, confirm. And the people said, We are witnesses. Double confirm. Right? Now, after this exchange, three movements, right? We will serve the Lord. We give you four reasons. Joshua said, don't bluff. You can't serve God because you don't know Him. But we will serve the Lord. Confirm, double confirm. After this exchange, Joshua gave a reality check. In that reality check, it convicted me and broke my heart. Because this is his reality check now. After all that he said, when they say, we are witnesses, look at verse 23. He said, this is what Joshua, the spiritual father, now says. Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to, to the Lord, the God of Israel. Two things I might highlight for you. Put away and among you. Put away the foreign gods among you. Among you means it is in your midst. It is not out there. It is in here. And he, when he says put away, he is not saying, don't bring the foreign gods and the idols in. He is saying, throw them out. 
You know what that means? Here's the reality check. While the people were saying, we will serve the Lord, we will serve the Lord, we will serve the Lord, we will serve the Lord. Four reasons why we will serve the Lord. There were idols in that midst. Let it sink in. Let that sink in. While they were giving this lip service, this rhetoric, what they say and who they are, that great credibility gap, there were idols in the midst. Throw them out, is what Joshua says. That was his final message. After he gave the message and the people responded to his message, now he took that opportunity as a spiritual father of the land to say, put them out. Throw out the idolatries. He did not say, don't let them in. It's already in them. That's what broke my heart. It's already in them. We all stand convicted before the Lord, before His holiness, before His sacred word. And we come to say, Lord, please help us to choose to serve You sincerely and faithfully. That's the biblical orientation. I want to come now to the practical considerations. I want to talk about choice. I want to share with you how we as fathers have to pass on to our children this power and decisiveness of choice. And as we come to this practical consideration, I want to share with you three things we can't choose Three things we can choose and three things we must choose. First of all, the three things we can't choose. You cannot choose your birth. You cannot choose not to be born. You cannot choose your parents. You cannot choose whether to be born rich or poor or where to be born and when to be born. You have no choice. Second, you cannot choose your death. Where you will die, when you will die, the condition, whether you die in the comfort of your home or in pain in the hospital, you cannot choose. Now, some people say we can choose our death. We can commit suicide and we can choose. That's because we don't understand the nature of suicide. Suicide is committed when the person feels they have no choice. Suicide is not a choice. Suicide is when they feel they have no choice choice. It's something you cannot choose, your death. Nobody in their right mind will choose to die because there's so much to be set for living and living our life well unto the glory of God. You can't choose your birth. You can't choose when you will die. And you cannot choose your DNA, your core personality, who you are. These are the three things you cannot choose. Now, there are three things you can choose. There are many things you can choose, but let me give you three. Number one, you can choose your friends. You know I'm preaching in Cornerstone? <laughs> because Pastor Tatyun is a friend. He calls me, I say yes. You can choose your friends. Second, you can choose your occupation. It's a choice. You don't go like, I have no choice. I'm in this work. You can choose. So choose well in the light of your convictions, in the light of your passion, in the light of your gifting. Choose the company you keep. 
Choose what occupies your time, in your vocation, in your calling. You have a choice. Then you can choose your hobbies. I think for good mental health, all of us should have a hobby, at least something you enjoy. But be very careful that your hobby does not become your addiction. Your hobby is supposed to enrich your life and, and, and cause, give you a refreshment and enjoyment and it's supposed to enrich your soul. Choose well. But more importantly, there are three things we must choose. What are the three things we must choose in life? This is something I desire for fathers to pass on to their children. Number one, you must choose your defining centre of gravity. Your defining centre of gravity. What is the anchor for your life? What's the foundation of your life? What's your centre of gravity? Jesus gave to us that centre of gravity when He says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and then He added, and His righteousness. Now, why did Jesus add the word and His righteousness? He could simply say, seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Why does He add those words? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Very often, when we quote this familiar verse in Matthew 6.33, we miss out this term. We, we quote it, but we miss the weight of it and His righteousness. Because listen carefully now. Jesus wasn't just talking about the centrality of the kingdom. He was emphasizing the character of the kingdom. His righteousness. And what Jesus was doing was that he was giving a contrast. And here's the contrast. Seek first the kingdom of God, not by your own righteousness, not by your own rituals, not by your own righteousness or religiosity, your religious works but by His righteousness that is a gift from God, imputed righteousness through Jesus Christ our Lord and the price He paid on the cross. On the cross, there was forgiveness of sin. On the cross, there is an imputed righteousness. Theologians call it the atonement the forgiveness of our sins, the sacrifice on the cross that we might have the righteousness of God. That's what the Apostle Paul says. God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might have the righteousness of God in Him. Choose God. Choose Christ. Choose life. Choose the kingdom of God and His righteousness as the centre of gravity in your life. The second thing fathers have to teach their children to choose is to choose their definition of success. Because if we have the wrong definition of success, then we will be pursuing the wrong things and that will corrupt our centre of gravity and compromise it. Choose your definition of success. How do you define success? Success is spelled stewardship. And the essence of stewardship is faithfulness to the will of God. So success is not our accomplishment, our accolades, our titles, our positions, the perks and the deference. That's not the mark of success. True biblical success 
is stewardship of what God has entrusted to us, our time, our talents, our treasure, and we steward it in the light of His will, in the light of His leading. This morning, in my quiet time, the Lord gave me a definition of humility in three words. Humility in three words. He emptied himself. The theologians call it the kenosis of Christ. Emptying, he emptied himself. And when you consider Jesus emptying himself, coming down to earth to die on the cross for us, why did he do that? We say, well, he did it, he did it because uh, he loved the world. That's true. But if you read John 3, 16 carefully, it says, God loved the world, He sent His Son. The Son came in His love for the world, that's true. But it's true word to say, He came because He was submitted to the will of the Father. God who loved the world sent His Son, and the Son came to fulfill the redemptive, loving will of the Father. Humility and success have the same roots. It is rooted in the will of the Father. Otherwise, it's like what? We get our definitions of success all wrong, even our definition of humility. Humility is to sit down, listen, copy notes, and I'm humble. If I stand up on the stage here or the pulpit to preach, not that humble. That's not the point. The point is, are we doing the will of the Father? If He calls me to stand up to preach, I will stand up to preach. He calls me to sit down to listen, I will sit down to listen. Because at the end of the day, it's not standing up or sitting down. It's not preaching or listening. At the end of the day, it's all contingent to the will of the Father. On whose terms are we serving? On His terms or ours? There's a time to speak up. There's a time to shut up. And wisdom dictates when we speak up, when we shut up, when we understand the will of our Father. That's the secret to true success. Stewardship unto the will of the Father. The third thing we have to teach our children is not just our defining centre of gravity and the definition of success, but our destiny and our mission in life. That is what we must choose, our mission in life. You know, when senior citizens retire, they go through four phases. The first phase is honeymoon period vacation. Wake up anytime you want, do anything you want, and so, wow, it's a vacation. You know how long it lasts? About six months to a year max. Then you come to the next phase. Very soon you come to the second phase is depression. You know why depression? Because there's a sense of loss. There's a sense of loss of identity. There's a sense of loss of routine. There's a sense of loss of income. There's a sense of loss of relationship because uh, colleagues are no longer calling you, etc., etc., etc. Sense of loss. So what did they do? They go to third phase. Third phase is sense of activity. Some activity to, to assuage the emptiness inside. Do something. Activities. Very few come to the fourth stage. 
that will truly satisfy the emptiness inside. And the fourth stage is the sense of mission. We have to live with a defining sense of mission whether you are young or you are old because we are not here on planet Earth by chance. We are here by a calling from God and we got to choose this day whom we will serve and the mission and the purpose by which God calls us to. Give your life for what really matters. That's the message of Joshua in Joshua 24. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Give your life for what really, truly matters. In life, we will struggle until we find the centre of gravity. I want to close with a story. It's an apocryphal story. Some say it's true, some say it's not true. But there's a principle behind the story. That's why I want to share with you this story. It's a story of Leonardo da Vinci when he was painting his masterpiece, The Last Supper. And he was looking for life models to depict as it will represent the, the facial features of each of these 12 disciples and Jesus. So he walked through the streets of Milan trying to look for a face that could, could represent the face of Jesus. And one day in the cathedral of Milan, he was looking up at the choir loft and he saw a young man who was singing and there was this peaceful countenance and joy. And he said, this could represent the face of Jesus. He invited the young man to the studio and painted the face of Jesus with this young man as the model. When he has finished, he looked for his Matthew and, and his John and his Peter and James and, and he found within 11 months the 11 disciples and he painted them. But he couldn't find his Judas. So day by day, month by month, he walked the streets of Milan trying to find his Judas, couldn't find it and he shelved that painting for over 10 years. Didn't touch it. Until one day when he was walking through the streets of Milan, he saw this man. The face was hardened. The eyes were cynical. He could represent the face of Judas. He invited this man, would you come to the studio to be my model? I don't know about you. If I'm asked to be a model for Judas, it will not be a compliment. <laughs> but this man agreed. So he sat there and Leonardo painted uh, with his feature in and this man started to cry. Leonardo put down his brush, said to this man, have I offended you, sir? Have I done anything wrong? And this man said, Master, don't you remember me? Don't you recognise me? Have we met before? Yes, in this studio, you have painted me right here as Jesus. You see, for us as Christians, in each of our lives, there is a Jesus and there's a Judas. There is a side, two sides we struggle with. And we've got to choose which side will become more and more like. And the call of discipleship, the call of Christianity is for us to choose Christ and become more and more like Him. And it's all contingent to one essential message that the senior citizen, 110 years old, give as his swan song, choose you this day whom you will serve. Would you bow with me and pray?
Lord, help us to make this decisive choice. This day, whom we will serve. I want to speak to those of you who have not yet opened your heart to invite Jesus in as your personal Lord and Saviour. Then this day, open your heart and make that choice for Jesus. Make Him the centre of gravity in your life because I promise you in the light of God's Word, God has spoken. All of us have sinned and become short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us to open our hearts to Him. And if you have not done so, I want to give you this opportunity. You may ask, how do I do that, Pastor? You do that by faith. How, how do I express that faith? My faith is small. It doesn't matter the size of your faith. It matters the object of your faith, where you place your faith in. And if you place your faith in God, then pray this simple prayer as an expression of faith. Pray it with me in your heart right now. Dear God, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my life right now. I want you to be the centre of gravity in my life. If you have prayed this prayer with me just now in your heart, I want to pray for you. So if you have prayed this prayer, would you raise up your hand high? Let me pray for you right now. If you have prayed with me, would you raise up your hand? Yes, God sees your hand. Yes, God sees your hand. Yes, God sees your hand. Anyone else? Choose you this day, this day whom you will serve right now. Would you raise up your hand? I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Yes, God sees your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just raise up your hand high. Yes, God sees your hand. Yes, God sees your hand. Anyone else? This day, yes, God sees your hand. Who else? If you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, this day, choose Him as the centre of gravity in your life. And I promise you, your life will change under the mighty glory of God. One last time, if you have prayed this prayer with me in your heart, would you raise up a hand? I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, God sees your hand. Anyone else? Heavenly Father, I pray for these ones whose hands are raised up, that this day, the Lord Jesus Christ will come into their lives to save them unto a glorious destiny that is in Christ Jesus. We thank You for that, Lord. Now for the rest of us who are Christians, the Word of the Lord comes through what was in the past in Joshua's generation is here in our generation. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And today you are saying, Lord, I hear your word and I want you to be the centre of gravity in my life. I choose you again this day. Would you raise up your hand high? I want to pray for your choice. I want to pray for you. Choose you this day. If you say, this day, I want to choose you, God. Would you raise up your hand right now? I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for the many hands that are going up right now. In the name of Jesus, walk into our lives as a centre of gravity that we might grow in Him. From this day on, we choose again 
that Jesus be the center of gravity in our life, that we might serve in sincerity and in faithfulness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.